reading from Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 to 8. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. If you have ever enjoyed reading Paul's letter to the Colossians or got something out of it, you have to thank God for Epaphras. Because it's down to him that we have this letter. We don't know very much about him. He's only mentioned in this letter and the associated letter to Philemon. We do know that he came from Colossae. And that he was a man who thought good news was worth sharing. Paul says all over the world the good news, the truth about Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection was bearing fruit and growing. And somewhere along the line Epaphras heard that good news. Might even have heard it from Paul himself. And he accepted its truth and then he went home and told his friends and family about Jesus. And the result of his testimony was that the good news took, fruit, took root and started to grow and bear fruit in Colossae as well. And then when he left Colossae and met Paul, he told Paul all about the new believers in his hometown. And Paul was so delighted to hear what was going on that he wrote them this letter. Telling them that every time he prayed for them, his heart was filled with gratitude to God for what God was doing among them. The letter's down to Epaphras because he took the good news home and then he told Paul what was going on. And Paul's assessment of what was going on in Colossae is down to Epaphras' witness. When he told his friends and family that he'd become a Christian, they themselves accepted the truth of the message of God's grace, bringing them forgiveness for the past and the hope of heaven for the future. And that hope inspired within them a faith in Christ Jesus and a love for all the saints. It's not clear whether Paul is delighted because they've put their faith in Christ in the sense of putting their trust in him, which they certainly had done, or whether he's celebrated the way in which their whole lifestyle had been transformed as they live out lives marked by faithfulness, lives which derive from their new sphere of existence within the body of Christ. We thought this morning about how Paul wrote the letter to the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in Colossae. And when he celebrates their faith in Christ, it might be their act of believing in Christ, or it might be their faithfulness that they have in Christ in the context of the body of Christ there in that town. Christians aren't good people. If we were good people, we wouldn't need a saviour. Christians are people who know that we have problems with our lives. But as we put our trust in Jesus... 
He works within us to change us to become better people. People whose lives become marked by the God-given qualities of faithfulness and love. Certainly Paul sees something extraordinary in the love that the Christians in Colossae have for all the saints because he describes it as your love in the Spirit. And that's not just a natural ability to get on with each other because we like each other and we're all decent people really. This is a divinely inspired commitment to all the saints, he says. All the saints, even those who, even though they're saints, can be quite awkward and difficult and demanding at times. Remember a conversation I had with one of the people who came on the Alpha course last year, one of the atheists, whose comment was that the one thing that Christians seem to have that he hadn't found replicated outside of the Church of Jesus Christ was a love for the unlovely. This was a guy who'd helped set up the Atheist Church in Brighton. And so he does all the stuff that we do, sing songs, listen to inspiring talks, hopefully, get get to know each other, drink coffee, all kind of stuff. But what he's not found is the Christian's love for the unlovely. And he's got a point, that should be one of the hallmarks of the Church of Jesus Christ. Because that quality characterised our founder, Jesus, whose example sets out the way that we should live our lives. But Jesus didn't just leave us an example, he also gave us his spirit who inspires within us that quality of love and commitment to all people that Jesus himself had and which he gives to us as well as his followers. So that's why every time Paul prayed for the Colossians, he ended up giving thanks for them because he was so excited by what Epaphras told him about what was going on in that town. In that place, the gospel was growing and bearing fruit. People were coming to faith. Lives were being changed as people were becoming more and more loving and faithful to each other within the body of Christ. And if you were to ask me what I would love to see happening in Brighton Road in 2017, it's that. What Paul celebrates in Colossae, love to see more of happening here in Horsham in the 21st century. In many different parts of the world, the gospel of Jesus Christ is growing and bearing fruit. Lives are being turned around as people come to faith and find hope for the future. They find a God-given love and commitment to each other. If I want to see more of that happening at Brighton Road, then clearly I need to get praying. Because this is God's work. This is what God does in us as his people. The good news is about the grace of God. It tells the truth about God. And we need more people like Epaphras who simply couldn't keep that good news to themselves but were inspired to pass it on. I need to be praying that people who talk about their faith do so in a way that other people can understand and accept that the message of God's grace in all its truth is for them. The good news starts to take root and bear fruit in their lives. The fruit of hope and love and faith. If that's what I want to see happening more in Brighton Road in 2017, that's what I need to be praying about. And I probably will. But I sincerely hope that I'm not the only one who feels that way, who would love to see more of that happening. See, Brighton Road is a place where the gospel flourishes and where people's lives are changed, where people are so inspired by the hope of heaven that we dedicate our lives completely to living out our faith in practice here and now, where all of us are part of a network of loving committed relationships, I hope that other people think, well, that would be a good thing to happen in Brighton Road. 
But if you share that vision, then we all need to be praying it into reality. Every time Paul thought of the Christians in Colossae, he was moved to pray for them. We can't tell whether in verse 3 he's saying that he's always giving thanks for the Colossians when he prays for them, or whether he's always praying for them, and when he does, he gives thanks. Maybe the second option is slightly more likely. But what we do know is that his prayers for them were full of gratitude, because he heard that this kind of stuff was going on in that church. Verses 3 to 8 are his prayer of thanks for what God is doing now. He starts to pray about more stuff in verse 9. But he gives thanks to God. He finds reasons to be cheerful. The gospel bearing fruit and growing. People hearing the message and understanding that the grace of God in all its truth is for them. Embracing the hope that is laid up for them in heaven. Inspired by the Spirit to lead lives in Christ Jesus that are marked by faithfulness and love. To the extent that we see that happening here and now, we can and should be praising and thanking God for it. Celebrating what God is doing among us in praise and worship. And if we look around and think, hmm, don't see very much of that happening, then we should be asking God to pour out his spirit upon us and make this blueprint for what church should really be like true and a reality for our congregation. All around the world, this stuff is happening. If we don't see it here as much as we'd like, then our first step has to be turning to God in prayer. Because this is what God does. This is what the gospel does. This is the difference that Jesus makes. As a church, we're thinking a bit about prayer at the moment, reviewing how and when we pray, thinking particularly about the monthly prayer meeting on a Wednesday evening. I know quite a few of you here support that prayer meeting, and I'm delighted that you do. We'd love to see more people there. But I fully accept that the timing and the format as they stand won't be suitable for everybody. And as well, the Wednesday prayer meeting is not the only opportunity for prayer at Brighton Road. We have a range of small groups which include prayer as part of their programme. Quite a few people meet in prayer triplets. Others come to the monthly prayer breakfast or the weekly prayer meeting for our children's and youth work. The deacons have their own prayer meeting once a month on a Sunday morning. Other groups routinely make prayer part of their agenda because there's a real recognition that the work they do is God's work and it needs to be done in reliance on his grace. Jack and Debbie have organised occasional prayer days which have gone down very well. Rosemary Fox has hosted the occasional quiet day. There is no lack of opportunities for prayer. And quite possibly as this year unfolds we'll be exploring and developing more opportunities for people to come together and pray. And my heart's desire is that each of us should be engaged in some kind of regular prayer activity over the course of the coming year. It's very difficult to monitor the level of prayer within a church because so much of it goes unrecorded. None of us is going to post on Facebook, oh, I spent so much time in prayer this week. It just doesn't, doesn't work that way. And I'm fairly sure to ask you to turn to the person sitting next to you and say, so, so when do you pray with other people in Brighton Road? You might be surprised. I never knew that was going on. I never knew that you were involved in that. Because so much of what we do happens without a big fanfare for publicity about it. I'm not going to ask you to do that in case anyone, you know, because I hate being put on the spot like that. Why should I inflict that on you? But I do want to say that if... You would love to see God at work in Brighton Road in the same way that he was evidently at work in Colossae. A key factor in seeing that happen will be a commitment to prayer on our part. 
So let me issue a gentle challenge. How will you be praying for Brighton Road or your church in 2017? When and how will you be joining with others to do that? So there's a bit of a challenge perhaps at the start of a new year, but actually I'd, I'd rather be a bit more positive and start the new year the, way, the same way that Paul starts his letter to the Colossians, which is with thanksgiving. Because the prayer is there, but he majors on the thanks. Because actually lots of people are already praying. God is already working at Bright Road in lots of ways, and it's right to take note of these and celebrate them. So having challenged you all to pray, let me also invite you to look for what God is already doing, or what God has done, and to celebrate that up, to celebrate that, to big that up. Paul was delighted with what he heard was going on in Colossae, and that inspired him to write to them about how Thanksgiving was so much a part of his prayer life for them. So be on the lookout for what God is doing. And when you see good stuff happening, when you see his spirit doing what his spirit does in Brighton Road, take the time to bless and thank God for it. You could even try keeping a journal of answered prayers. Because God is at work among us. In great ways. When he does something, don't take it for granted. Make a point of saying thank you. It's only polite after all. But don't just thank God for what you see him doing. Tell each other about it as well. After all, that's what Epaphras did for Paul when he met him. Paul, have you heard the amazing things that are happening in Colossae? When I told them about Jesus, they accepted that God's grace was for them and the gospel is growing and bearing fruit in my hometown now. And I can see the difference it makes as people are filled with hope and faith and love for each other. Wow! And Paul was so thrilled at what Epaphras had to say, he wrote this letter. So if you see God doing stuff, thank him for it, tell other people about it. Tell each other about it. You could even tell non-Christians about it. Because that provides a golden opportunity for the good news about Jesus to take root and bear fruit in their lives as well, doesn't it? So at the start of this year, let me invite you to, to offer yourself to God and ask him so to work in your life that we have something good to say about what God is doing in us and for us and through us. Stuff that we can thank him for. Stuff that we can tell other people about. Let's ask God to release us from the confines of our expectations and ask him to do something new and amazing in our lives, in our church. So that we can praise him for that and we can pass on to others the good news about look what God has done so that they can be inspired and encouraged. Lord, all over the world... Your gospel is bearing fruit and growing. Thank you. Lord, fill us with your spirit. That your gospel may grow and bear fruit in our lives as well. Thank you. Amen.